Beginning the Trek, a 52-episode introduction to Star Trek. Let's get started. Hi, Jessica. Hi, Andy. We got to listen to our recording of Troubles with Tribbles, so now I get to do the intro, and this was a fun one. I, not surprisingly, a fan favorite. Yeah. Yeah. This was really fun. Yeah. And, and I am excited to hear you uh, give your 10-sentence synopsis of The Trouble with Tribbles. But let me remind everybody that beginning the track is best enjoyed if you start with episode one and take your track right along with us. So if this is your first experience, you might want to look at episode one. And if you haven't seen Troubles with Trouble, <laughs> <laughs> Troubles with Tribbles, they bring more than one. Uh, if you haven't seen Trouble with Tribbles, definitely it is worth a rewatch and then listen to this. There you go. Okay, okay so, ten sentences. Ten sentences. The Enterprise gets a priority one alert, and Kirk and Spock are rather upset that it ends up being a bureaucrat who wants his grain protected. But because it has to do with keeping a planet out of the Klingons' hands, he guards it and sends all of the other crew on shore leave. Uhura and Chekhov use shore leave to go into a bar where there's a guy selling purring fluff balls called Tribbles, and Uhura gets one. Unknown to her, they are born pregnant and have an insatiable appetite. The more they eat, the more they multiply. The Klingons show up, also take shore leave, also go into the bar, and proceed to call the captain a tin-plated, overbearing, swaggering dictator with delusions of godhood, and the Enterprise garbage. The latter is an insult Scotty cannot take and is joyfully reprimanded for his participation in starting a bar fight that goes on for a bit longer than it should. Later, Kirk ends up with a tribble in his cup and goes on a bit of a rampage in finding them all over the ship and, worse yet, filled the storage bin where there should have been the quadrotrichotycale. I said that completely wrong. This is the grain <laughs> that they were supposed to be guarding. Turns out the bin full of tribbles are all dead because the grain was poisoned by a Klingon disguised as the bureaucrat's assistant, and we know he's undercover because Klingons hate Tribbles, and the feeling is very mutual. The bureaucrats are left without grain, but minus a spy, the Klingons leave ashamed of themselves, and the crew shuffle blame for getting rid of the Tribbles by beaming them onto the Klingon ship. All right, yes. Yeah. You got a big grin on <laughs> your face. So it's a good one. Quattro Twidicale. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's just so I could prove that I'm still, you know, like the nerd of the of the show here. If, if you say so. I bow to your nerdliness. <laughs> Let's talk trouble with tribbles. Let's talk tribbles. Okay. First impression, this episode is so much snappier than all of the others that I have seen in this entire thing. Okay, snappier. What does that mean? Uh, just, it was way more upbeat. The It was intentional comedy in the story rather than just like a line or two from a character who wouldn't normally say that kind of thing. So that was my first impression was just that it's super snappy. Snappy. That was that was the word I had for it. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, I, I need more. You got to tell me more. <laughs> what, what did you like? What did you not like? Uh, I... I loved the comedy in it. I thought the actors performed really well, especially Uhura. Handling the tribbles was pretty funny on its own. Uh, I liked the combination of Kirk's temper and how much he hates the mundane and the bureaucracy put next to these ridiculously adorable, fuzzy, purring little things that have no faces uh, and how those two combine were, it was just good stuff. It was good stuff. Yeah. Obviously this is a, um, 
kind of a classic episode. I mean, most people, yeah. if you've heard anything about Star Trek at all, you've probably heard something about Tribbles. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have seen one or something along the line. So this is definitely a, a classic. It's a pop culture reference, the whole bit. Uh, but it also, it really shows what they can do when they just decide to have a little fun. Which I haven't really seen so far. This is a very dramatic TV show. It's the allegory and the sci-fi and the technology. It's not a whole lot of we're goofing around. That's There's no SNL in this show. <laughs> yeah, um, but, but that's part of why I wanted to show this episode. There's a whole lot of um, opportunities for comedy. Sometimes it hits, sometimes it misses mm-hmm. wildly. And Star Trek and comedy have a long history and you'll i plan to show you some more of that because uh yeah when i think some of the best star trek out there is when they're not taking themselves too seriously as as they shouldn't let's let's be honest uh it's believing your own ridiculousness is the worst but this was really fun i think my absolute absolute favorite moment was uh more than three quarters of the way in uh Captain Kirk opens the grain where he's where they're holding all the grain and then he's standing in a just a whole pool of tribbles, right? Because they've eaten all the grain and yes. discover later that they're all dead, which is really sad. But you can tell there's an extra or a crew person or somebody just throwing tribbles at his head. And it is so awesome. You like that moment, do you? That Yes, that was my favorite. I think that might be my favorite moment thus far throughout all of Star Trek. Is is <laughs> Captain Kirk um, getting hit in the back of the head by Tribbles as he was in yes. the middle, uh, standing in the middle of the big giant pile? Yeah. I um, I'm so thrilled to hear you say that. Um, it is. It's like there's somebody up there throwing those Tribbles down at him, right? It's exactly like that. <laughs> if. if I, boy, this is really early in the conversation for me to mention this, but oh, what the heck? I'll bring it up right now. There's more. Uh, there's more to this story. There's more tribbles. There's more tribbles. There's more troubles. <laughs> and uh, we will be seeing uh, more of the story in the future, even in this 52. I have every intention. All right, cuz um, I think there was that. there was a missed opportunity and something I want to point out when sure. Spock handles the tribble for the first time when they go like the little lunchroom cafeteria area. Yeah, in the in the mess hall or in the in the rec room or whatever they call it. Yeah, he's like the, oh, they make a pleasant purring noise. Uh, that seems to have an effect on humans, but not on me. And then he's, of course, just standing there. And there's that moment where they're like, oh, mm-hmm, sure. And he seems to like the Tribble. And then later on, he gets kind of violently passionate about hating the Tribbles a lot. The Spock does? Yeah. Like, he gets into a huge discussion, very heated, about the Tribbles with uh, the Doctor. Oh, when he's talking to the do- oh 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 yes 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 when he and McCoy are I mean they throw insults they throw well hmm let's talk about the about that you're right they absolutely they throw insults um, are they insulting the tri- is he insulting the triples you're right he does say they they don't seem to provide very much right well I mean he says they're useless and uh, 
remind me his name again. McCoy. McCoy. And McCoy is just like, well, they don't have to be useful in, they're useful because they love us and we love them because, and that's enough. Sure. And, and then the response is, well, I like them more than I like you, is what he says to Spock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. So, so every episode I show is for a reason. Uh, I really love this scene because it highlights the other side of that triangle that we talked about between Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy. And then you have that third part of the triangle between Dr. McCoy and Mr. Spock. And that's their relationship pretty much through a lot of it. It's a very love-hate. Um, they rub up against each other a lot. There's a lot of um, little tense moments. And uh, uh, there's there's really a, a fantastic moment in an episode called Patterns of Force. It's not necessarily one I would recommend right off the bat for people, but there's a really great moment where the two of them are bickering and bickering back and forth um, while they're trying to figure out what happened to Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk has been taken away and they don't know what's going on with him. And they're, they're, they're arguing and insulting each other. So this is a common thing, the Spock and McCoy thing. They're, that's just a part of who they are and how they're going to interact with each other. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't so much. And I get that, you know, they kind of started out with, with Spock's more logical, I don't understand what you humans see in this, mm-hmm. but it was more sort of, uh, let me see if I could start another one of them. You know, let me, let me see if I can try and best Dr. McCoy again at the game of words we play. Uh. And then, you know, McCoy bites right along and okay, we're going to argue about tribbles. Fine. Let's argue about tribbles, mm-hmm. you know, and eventually you get to the emotional response. I like them more than mm-hmm. I like you. And then uh, they do not talk too much, which is just such a logical right. end of discussion, you know? Right. Yeah, you, you'll if you watch more of of Star Trek, you will see those two bicker over and over and over again. You know, it's funny. I'm starting to wonder if there's almost a brotherly relationship between the two of them, where you've got the commander that's sort of the in, in the parent mm-hmm. position. I'd never really thought of it in those terms, but it's almost like you've got these two sides of um, of Kirk's command that are almost fighting each other for attention. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. And maybe it shows up as bickering brothers sometimes. I'd never really considered that until until this conversation. So, well, I'll look for that. <laughs> Where does Scotty fit into this? Because he was a kind of a big part of this, and he brought a lot of comedy. By the way, I enjoyed Scotty. I enjoy Scotty a lot. Like, yeah, Scotty. And fun. every time I see him, I'm like, okay, I get a little bit more out of him in this one than other episodes that I've Scotty's seen. Scotty's fun. James Dewan is the, is the actor that played Scotty and uh, uh, a really fun character with that almost Scottish accent, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I remember you commented on it in an earlier episode. Uh, just, oh, he's talking about haggis. Right, right. So you, yeah. Exactly. You talked about the haggis. Yeah. Haggis is in the fire. Um, and... And boy, we're going to talk about accents in a minute because we've got to talk about Chekhov here in a few moments. Yes. Um, that can't be real. Oh, I can't wait to talk to you about Chekhov. But okay. let's get back to Scotty. So okay. so Scotty is um, sort of the heart of the ship. You know, I always mm-hmm. – I look at him, you know, and, and he's going to be 
there to fix whatever's wrong. He's the, the kind of that go-to guy, right? And mm-hmm. Even in this, you know, he fixes the Tribble trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be no Tribble at all. It'll be no Tribble at all. And it had to be him, right? Like, who else could get away with saying that? He, You know how he kind of came off to me in this one, and I kind of hope I see this vibe in other things, is he's like the grandpa on the ship. So he doesn't really want to go out. He didn't want to go on shore leave, and the captain made him. Uh, but he's a little cantankerous. He says the off-ball funny things, and he can get away with a little bit of that. Uh, but he's totally there. He knows everything. He does everything. He's like, he's the grandpa on the ship. I like that. Uh, there you go. I actually kind of like that, too. Um, and, of course, he, he he's very prideful about his ship. Obviously, what with starting the whole fight... Well, not starting it. Well, he threw the first punch. Okay. I would just like to say that I have never, ever been in a bar where somebody decided to stand up, and let's equate it with sports, while their favorite team was playing the rival favorite team, and in a bar that's filled with the other team, just start mouthing off loudly directly in front of the guy who's ready to punch him. And after being three times sat down... Because Scotty held off Chekhov from throwing punches, keep going like a loudmouth. What I is that a real thing that happens? That feels like something that they put in the script so that they could get into a fight. Well, I, I mean, they had to put something in there to get into a fight because clearly they wanted to have a fight in that bar. Mm. Um, in, in you know when they wrote the script, but. Uh, <sighs> How do I answer that? So the Klingons, so because it was a Klingon that was mouthing off, mouthing off. Sure. Um, you know they are born and bred for battle, born and bred for war. We kind of got that uh, when we talked about Aaron and Mercy. So, so it would make sense that they would want to find ways to start a fight. I could see that. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, I mean, these are two two aggressive enemies that are being forced to kind of rub up against each other guys having a little to drink nah. he's got a little bravado didn't see didn't seem out of the realm to me it was it was a little far for me but what i will say is while i don't like the way that that was done i actually do think the klingons were spot on in their description of the captain so they're totally out of line for talking about the ship the way he did and deserve to be smacked around for that. But everything he says about the captain is pretty much true. An overbearing, swaggering, tin-plated dictator with delusions of godhood. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, the. If you're going to put him on 10, absolutely. That's what you think Kirk is. If you were his enemy, that's... It's the same thing. Okay, now I know I'm going to reference. It's the same thing with Harry Potter. At the end of the book, you can look at Snape and you can be like, oh my God, he's so evil. Or you can look at like, oh my God, look what he did. That's so wonderful and romantic in a weird way. But yeah, he's got delusions of godhood. And you can tell because when when Scotty goes back to the ship, he's appalled that the reason he threw the punch was because his insults, not to him, but to the ship. And he's just like, oh, you didn't stand up for me, but you stood up for the ship. That sounds like delusions of godhood. Maybe, like, Kirk is there on six, and they describe it on ten. 
Well, let me tell you what I'm dealing with as I sit here. Uh oh. <laughs> Reexamining my entire childhood. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's 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 cool. Uh, but as I look at it objectively, because I am looking at it through new eyes, mm-hmm. and also knowing some of the things that I know about some of the stuff that he does, Children of All, Landrew. There's a lot of stuff he does. That I don't know about yet. Yeah, you don't need to know about those. I'm just I'm just thinking. Mm-hmm. Delusions of Godhood. Mm. Not out of the realm of possibility. How about that? Mm-hmm. How about yeah. that? Oh, boy. I'm having to rethink Star Trek brand new. I thought I was supposed to show this to you, not the other way around. <laughs> Suffice it to say, he's a, at least on the scale with narcissism pretty high and his ego is fairly fragile. Let's put it this way. All right. I'm, I'm willing to capitulate 95% and here's how I'm willing to do it. Here's what I'm willing to do. Okay. Say. This is as far as I'm willing to go in the, oh God. in the childhood hero drama, in my, in my childhood hero drama. Yes. Um, I'm willing to say that I believe that Captain Kirk would have that exact reputation amongst the Klingons. Which would be an exaggerated version of who he is. Yes. So, yes, I will go with that he was being honest mm-hmm. from certain point of people's view. point of view. Yeah. And he got punched in the face for it. No, he didn't get punched in the face for it. He got punched in the face for calling the Enterprise a garbage scow. And he should have gotten punched in the face for both. Well. Just from seeing that alone, that might be the reason why I love Kaylee so much on Firefly, is uh-huh. because she would have punched somebody in the face for calling the Firefly ship a garbage pail. Absolutely, right? She totally like, was. So as like as the engineer of a spaceship, and they love their spaceship, and you will not talk badly about the thing that they love that they have engineered to the height of space travel. I don't know. <laughs> yes. When, when Scotty talks about my barons, mm. my bar- his, which are his engines, my barons, <laughs> and there's one moment where he's actually in tears because of what they're having to do, what they're putting his engines through. Aww. So he's my wee baron. So. And, uh, it means a lot to him. Um, he, loves, he loves his – yeah. Mm-hmm. They they're all do, right? The, all the engineers do. Um, I'm trying to picture – I can't picture a series – that doesn't have an engineer. All the series have an engineer, and all the engineers love their ships. That seems appropriate. Does Star Wars have that? Yeah, Chewie. Yeah. Oh, my God. Of course. Yeah. Right? You do not talk about the Millennium Falcon without getting knocked upside the head. Well, and you mentioned you mentioned uh, Kaylee, of course, from Firefly. Mm-hmm. So right. is, there a, is there a good Stargate equivalent? I don't, I don't know enough Stargate to... There's the guy with the big wrench... I have heard about the guy with the big wrench that shows up in like almost every episode. Yeah, there's a big wrench in almost every episode. I think it happens a little bit later on. You don't see it in the first couple seasons, but later on. Sorry. So, yeah, just in the background, look for a guy and he'll be like walking up the stairs and just giant wrench. Choosing to talk about that all important guy with the big wrench. So anyway, we're talking about uh, engineers, folks. Uh, but it seems it seems fairly logical that there would be an engineer on most 
shows where there are, is equipment to work on. There is an engineer on Battlestar Galactica too, Chief Terrell. So we've kind of, we've nailed the trope here. I didn't even know. I think we found the trope. I, th- I think that, the, yeah, a, a good science fiction show Must has have. to have an engineer that loves his, his whatever he wants to try and keep together. Right, throwing punches for that, for his baby. The barroom brawl went on a little too long. There was at least the moments with the drinks, the traitor, what's his name, holding up his drinks and getting out of the room. Right, Cyrano Jones. Where he's walking through, he ordered, like he uses the thing to order two more drinks and then holds them up and tries not to spill them as he walks around all of the people who are fighting. And then the drink gets taken from him. It's a long fight, right? Yeah. I wonder if, because these are 50, you know, 50 plus minute episodes and we're not used to that anymore i wonder if they just didn't have as much story and they decided to throw in more fight to add to it i don't know you know that wouldn't surprise me because you know what else went on for way too long was the reveal of the klingon at the end oh yeah literally all you had to do was stick the trouble trip blah was stick the tribbles in front of the guy's face, the Tribbles freak out. You're like, oh, he's a Klingon. That's the only reaction we ever... But Kirk goes around and shoves them in everybody's face to prove his point. It's like, you could have just done that once. You've been like, human, Klingon, you're evil. It was. It went on way too long. Much like me right now. <laughs> I, no, I... I, <laughs> I wonder how much of that was... Part of the attitude of we need to we need to make sure that the audience really understands this, you know. And if if any of that might have come from network, you need to make sure they understand what's happening oh. here. Where did their eyebrows go? Like I have a pro- I don't mind that they didn't overdo it because the first one, Errand of Mercy, was the first time we're introduced to Klingons. So I get that sci-fi shows tend to overdo the first time you see an alien race. And then they realize the production value either isn't worth it, worth it, or the budget's just not there the next time you see them. And so they don't do as much makeup. But they could have at least pasted some funky eyebrows like they had before and thrown on some gold glitter. Like, I don't think that would have taken all that much. And they did not. So I didn't recognize them as... Like, if you hadn't said, and there are Klingons here in the office with me, pan to side Klingons there. Right. And they were wearing the same uniforms. Which is kind of the point, because later on, uh, the guy in disguise is a Klingon, and you're not supposed to know about it. If he'd had the funky eyebrows, you would have been able to see it. So if they look more alien, it's super obvious, and then the Tribble thing doesn't work. You know, the numbers of cans of worms that this particular episode may be opening up is just just (laughs) staggering. And you have no idea that you're opening these cans of worms with me, which is really funny. The Klingons go through a few different looks. Mm. Okay. Now, they pretty much look kind of like what you see. They got the funky eyebrows for the Mm -hmm. most part, the darker skin. All goatees. The the goatees, the beards, the, you know, longer hair in some, you know, in some cases, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. They wear the silver and black. um, thing. Yeah, exactly. Those, those uniforms. Yeah, whatever. So, so that's what they look like in the original series. And when we get to, when we get beyond the original series, even to the movies, Mm-hmm. Um, the the movies that Captain Kirk and and his crew were in, they changed the look of the Klingons. 
they will look far more alien. I think part of it is budget and the ability to bring them to the big screen. Sure. And then they'll go through more changes, and then they'll go through more changes. And, hey, you know, you can just – it'll make you crazy trying to figure out all the different iterations of Klingon. And right now they're up in arms about the way the Klingons look on the new show. And that show hasn't even aired as of the recording of this particular episode. I haven't actually technically seen them yet, except in promos. I will say, and I've tweeted this, I am holding off on watching the new Star Trek so that I can have all of this history underneath my belt. Which is kind of a tough thing, because I think I would really like this one. It's made for people like me. <laughs> can of worms, can of worms, can of worms. How can the trouble of tribbles open this many cans of worms? We're talking about discovery, though. So here's the thing. Here's the, the, here's the, the, this thing, because there's a lot of things that I seem to be here's thus. So this thing is once Discovery begins airing and I see what we've got to deal with, I may choose to alter my list a little bit to include an episode or two so that I might be able to give you the background that you need mm -hmm. so that you could start watching Discovery now. I think what we should do is if we find that there's Star Trek Discovery stuff that we really want to use, let's just do supplemental rather than arranging the other ones because I think there's already enough that you've had to cut out. I don't want you cutting out more, to be honest. Okay, you're right. You're absolutely right. Let's not worry about it. We can totally do that. We can totally do As that. As a gesture um, of love, they might be extra. This new show might have Yeah, us and, and, and I could say, all right, extra. so here are the three. <laughs> because there are three episodes that I think you would need to watch to understand mm -hmm. from what I know so far about Discovery. One of those episodes is our next episode. Gotcha. So got that one covered. Okay. But there's two other episodes not on my list. One involves a particular character and one involves a particular event. So after I see what that might look like, you're right. Maybe we can do a couple of supplements if and say, hey, before you, watch, gotcha. before you watch Discovery, right. let's get you going with these. Yep. There is a level at which, if you're a fan of sci-fi, you have to just cringe and move on with some of the decisions made and then reversal of those decisions. How much does it put people off in the Star Trek universe who absolutely love the science of it and the, uh, the technology of it and all of the actual thought that went into that? Because it seems like those kinds of people would be bothered the most by things like changing the Klingon appearance for no good reason. And that to keep being a Star Trek fan, they would then have to make up something yes, so that it makes sense to them that the Klingons look this way and then look that way and then look this way. Really, I'm talking about, I mean, you don't even know what these, these guys look nothing like any other Klingon you're ever going to see. Prosthetics are coming. Right. And, and you'll see that. In a few weeks. Right. Trust me, you'll see that every week for the rest of... Right. For for most of the rest of this. For much of the rest of this. All right. You'll probably see Klingons in 40 episodes. You do just have to be like, all right, that's a thing. There are some explanations. And they do go back and try and explain and talk about it some. And they do try to justify it. Some of it's retconning that works. Some of it's retconning that doesn't work. But, oh yeah... 
I think it's a whole lot easier to accept that it's a fantasy universe and move on. Right. Well, it's funny. One of my favorite podcasts uh, is is called Mission Log. It's uh, and and frequently they have to remind themselves uh, Klingons aren't real. Captain Kirk wasn't real. He like like this isn't real. These are stories. Real. You know? <laughs> so um, yeah, there's there's wow there's changes coming for them Klingons. I thought he was way goofier than the one I saw last time. Like last time it was very, I'm a military commander and I'm a mirror of Captain Kirk. And they were kind of intense, not kind of, they were very intense. They were everything that the Federation would be if war was made a priority instead of peace. The whole thing was, it's, this is a mirror, uh, and this guy and his little loudmouth underling dude and the guy in disguise were just kind of petty and yeah. they had a goofy level that the other one did not have at all, I thought. And I didn't, uh, I, it fit with the comedic script and, and the episode, but I don't think it did any justice to them as enemies of the Enterprise or the Federation. Right. And this was a comedic, this was a comedic episode. The, the, the mm -hmm. next time that you see, and I'm not sure what we're going to do as far as Klingons go and the rest of our journey here, our mm -hmm. 52, because we're, you know, we have reached close to the halfway point with the original series here. We're, we're, you know, getting ready yeah, to. Yeah, we're season two. Yeah. We've only, and there's got, only three seasons, which freaks me out. There's only three seasons. I thought there'd be way more. For as big as a fandom, I thought there'd be way more, but it looks like there's way more of uh, the next one's going to be the next generation. The next generation. Yeah. Well, well, we'll we'll do a little bit with the uh, animated series. Oh, okay. And then we're going to watch one movie because you know, ah, well, come on, I got to show at least one movie, uh, and then we'll move into the into the uh, next generation. Yeah, and the next generation's big because on top of it being the first of three that happened kind of all in the same time frame. It builds the body of of storytelling for the rest of that. So some of what we need to know about Deep Space Nine and about Voyager, we'll learn in Next Generation. To be honest, ever since hearing about Captain Janeway, that's mostly what I want to see right now. I just can't help myself. She's so cool. And she's going to be so far. We've I got know, months but before we get to Captain gonna, Janeway. But but listen, listen, we're 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 coming up on we're in in the next generation. You're going to meet get to meet Doctor Crusher, Tasha Yar, Council of Troy. Those are all three female characters that are that are great characters. You're also going to get to meet some fantastic um, recurring. Um, did you know that Whoopi Goldberg was on Star Trek? No, did I? Yeah, I had to have seen. I had to have seen it in some kind of promo or something. I almost wanted to not tell you that and have you just like see the episode <laughs> where she shows up, but you were so surprised when I mentioned Janeway. Janeway, yeah, Whoopi it's Goldberg red. plays. <laughs> it's red. It's anyway. red. Yeah, and Whoopi Goldberg plays a character, a recurring character on the Next Generation that that basically becomes like a mentor to Captain Picard. Oh, cool! Um, I like that. Oh, yeah, that's fun. 
episode is a new horror episode. We got some fun stuff for her. Oh, I would just like to say the way she handled a Tribble in this episode was delightful. Yeah, say, talk about it. Uh, For one, she made it look like an accessory that was just like, Right here in her hand. Like, of course it's meant to be here. Mm-hmm. Cha. It's my little purse dog. That's like, that's the vibe I got. And it was just spot on. She just can't wait to see her more. She's got chops and you can tell. And they're not being used thus far. That's true. You know, and it's a shame because in a lot of ways, um, what she did is so groundbreaking. So she does get to play a little bit more in this episode. Mm-hmm. It is. It is a little bit lighter and fluffier, but, you know, she's out there on shore leave. She gets mm-hmm. to... She, it makes you know, sense. We finally have a place where we can do something with her, right? Right. Well, um, it's 1960s. I, I'm going to stop apologizing for the 60s. I was born in the 60s. No, you're not. You don't need to apologize. Yeah. It's fine. In the beginning, the priority one alert yes. that they're given, and they come rushing over, and they're expecting a battleship, and they're going to be fired upon, and they're going to have shields up, and they're all ready. And then it's like, you need to guard some grain. And Kirk is like... I need to what? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, and how dare you? That's his ego. Yes. And even, But even Spock is just like, seriously... If it wasn't for the amount of importance of this planet, even Spock would have been like, we're reporting you and very logically going to go through the steps of how to get you in trouble with this, you idiot. Well, okay. So so once again, you know, here we had another ambassador. I called him Ambassador Ninny Face on Twitter. What was he? The Undersecretary of Agricultural Affairs in the sector. He was the blah de blah de blah de blah of the this and the that. Uh. And I've got an important title. And when I tell you to do something, there are people back at Starfleet that say, yeah, do what he says. And they did. And they had to, <laughs> right? Yeah. But- but but the way that Kirk handled them, I thought was just so much fun. You know, I take this project very seriously. It is you I take lightly. Yeah. I think it's just a fun comment. Oh, well, he has another one where he's just like, I have never questioned my orders or the position of somebody in the Federation until now or until <laughs> you, whatever the line is. Until it's, now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Until now. Uh, lots of comedy moments like that. And it was just, you know, even Spock getting into it. Mm-hmm. He, he understood you. He simply could not believe his ears. <laughs> I thought it was a really was funny moment. Very cute. Yes. When they come back from commercial break after that Tribble shower that Kirk yeah. takes. Yeah. And you see nothing but Tribbles. And then he sort of peeks his head through. Uh-huh. Part of me was just like, like, Laughing so hard and in tears, and I haven't laughed at that in so long. Aww, and I just a lot of it great. was was thinking that you're going to get to see it for the first time. So I hope you enjoyed that moment because I was thinking about you when I watched that. I enjoyed that moment, not quite as much as me knowing somebody was throwing little fluffs of hairballs at Shatner's head. <laughs> it still gives me giggles. It's funny. Let's just say there's more to that story. Um, uh, you may find out more about that and more about the bar fight and other stuff. There's a, there's, there's, there's more. <laughs> I just, oh, I just want to share it. Pin, 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 pin. But I'm just, I'm like giddy about this episode. It's a fun, I think there, there's a reason why this one is so well known. It works. It works really well. Even with the bits that don't work quite as well the the length of the fight and the length of explaining that this guy's a klingon uh i we have to talk about the ending 
because the passing of the buck that happens between all of them when the captain's like, where are the tribbles now? is pretty funny. Uh, Mr. Scott gets to be pretty funny. Uh And I had a moment where I thought when he's just like, you didn't send them, you didn't beam them into space. And he's just like, I would never. And I had a sudden flash of like, what if there's like a Star Trek PETA where they need to save the animals? And what would you do? Save the Tribble campaign. Save the triple campaign. Perfect. Yeah, you could make up t-shirts. But they put them to, they give them to the Klingons. They give them to the Klingons, which kind of makes you wonder, would they have been better just beamed out into space? You know? The Klingons are not nice to the Tribbles, that's clear. Or maybe they abandon the ship because they don't like the Tribbles that much. It's possible the Tribbles end up winning. Right. You know, they just take over the entire ship because... Yes! Uh, I liked that uh, they were born pregnant. Although I think... McCoy got the word wrong. I don't think it's bisexual, but I, I don't think even hermaphroditic is the correct term now either. Yeah, when, yeah. He said know? bisexual, but you're right. That's the that would be the wrong term. That's that. There's the 1960s for you. What is it? Bisexual. Move on. <laughs> like, um, oh, that's not what it means when when you're both sexes and you can reproduce uh, by yourself. Is that ace? No, a, um, I don't know. I'd have to. Oh god, not a ace scientist. <laughs> But. The void of sex. Um, yeah, I, 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 for for any of you scientists Let who us know. are sitting right. at home right What's now saying, "Oh my goodness, do these people not know anything?" No, we don't. We don't know a darn thing about well, this. So let us know what what we're talking. about. I know about. that tribbles have babies because their tummy gets full. Yes, so. that's true. How do they have babies? They and eat too much. Had that grain not been poisoned, that would have been a world of trouble. That's that's, that's true. the trouble with tribbles. It's part of it. So you made a prediction last week. Do you remember what your prediction was? I, I thought was? that they were gonna. I thought the tribbles were gonna be enemies actually, and that if you shot them, then they multiplied. Like they were. Yeah. So so you got the multiplied part. Yeah, right. but not the enemies. I thought that tribbles were basically evil. Not that they were furry little cutesies who just happened to have lots of babies. Right. Right. But one little tribble is not harmless. Okay, is that accent real or not? Because I've never heard, well, I'm not very familiar, but in Wenchen? Oh, it's a, it's a Russian in Wenchen. Yes, it's a Russian in Wenchen. But I do like that everything was invented by uh, Grandma in Stalingrad. <laughs> yes. Fun. This was the first episode that he's really been a, a, lots of lines and stuff. I think this might be the first episode that you you have seen mm-hmm. with him. Um, I he think has you're a, right. so so so. This is his introductory episode. This was the first episode they filmed with him. However, they of course didn't air this episode of his first. They aired a couple of other episodes and confused the hell out of people. <laughs> sure. Because, you know, that's what they did with all these Star Treks. They didn't air anything in the order that they were filmed or thought of. Uh, but there's a, there's a whole story about Chekhov. I love this story about Chekhov. Okay. And I wish I wish that Walter Cumming were here to tell it, but he's not, so I have to tell it for him. Did he pass away? Uh, so, no, no, no. I, here in my living room. Oh, okay. It would be so much fun to have Walter <laughs> Cumming sitting here. No, no, he's awesome. I, I've seen him at Star Trek conventions every year that I go. He's great. And he's still doing projects and still showing uh, up. There. Yeah, he's. I recognize his face. Of course, he's a lot older now, but he's in a lot. But I'm like, that's yeah, that yeah. guy. <laughs> he's one of those. So, so um, th- here's this show called Star Trek that, and they've got you know 
a black woman and a Japanese man, and everybody talks about how progressive Star Trek is back in the 60s. Mm. And we are in the middle of the Cold War with Russia. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, this is the 1960s. We are right smack dab in the middle of it. And a lot of people started to say, and Russians started to say, okay, Star Trek, you're so progressive. Where's your Russian? Where's the Russian character? Huh? And Gene Roddenberry said, you want a Russian? We'll give you a Russian. <laughs> and, and Pavel Chekhov was born. Uh-huh. And he is a Russian with 100% Russian pride. Everything that happened that was good happened from somebody from Russia. And uh, that that actor was hired because he looked very much like pop music star Davy Jones of the Monkees, which was a pop music group that had its own TV show and mm-hmm. music out in the 60s. And he looked like the heartthrob Davy Jones. Okay. But Davy Jones wasn't Russian. Oh no no no! Davy Jones wasn't Russian, but they okay. they wanted they wanted to try and bring in some of that teenage audience heartthrob exactly, gotcha. and it worked. They got you know they he developed his own little following, and uh, uh, but they said, "You want Russian? All right, here's a Russian that thinks that Scotch was invented in Russia." Yeah, of course, it right. Was. So yeah, um, you, we'll give you. A, the Russian to end all Russians is kind of what he ends up. So doing. that's that's not a real accent, no. though. No, I, I okay. believe that he is, is. There any Russian who would possibly sound like that? Um, there was a comedian named Yakov Shmirnov uh, a few years ago that kind of had a crazy Russian accent too, but it's it, it is over the top. It is definitely over okay. the top. Remember, this is a Russian. For an American audience mm. in a television show that's taking place in outer space 300 years in the future. I'm totally fine with accepting it. I just want to make sure that if I go around like pretending to be Chekhov and somebody's just like, what kind of accent is that? And I'm like, it's Russian. And they're like, no, that's not. Just tell them it's a Chekhov accent. Well, <laughs> that's different. <laughs> You're right. I could do that. <laughs> he won't be in every episode, and you'll start to see um, occasionally one of the actors mm-hmm. will take a, a, a show off. It's probably a budgetary thing, um, but we'll we'll see him a lot. We'll see Chekhov a lot going forward. Mm-hmm. He becomes a fan favorite, obviously. Right. And he's willing to beat up the big Kling- – he jumped mm-hmm. after the biggest Klingon in the bar fight. Let me recommend a couple. How about I do that? So, um, yeah. So, William Campbell played Captain Koloth of the Klingons. And back in the 60s, you could actually be like a guest star and play different characters and show up. And he plays another role um, on another episode of Star Trek that I'm just so disappointed we can't get to. Uh, But I'm going to recommend it anyway because it's too much. It's another fun fun episode. It's called mm-hmm. The Squire of Gothos and it's a ton of fun. So, highly recommended. Go watch The Squire of Gothos. Um, and then another episode. Let's see. Okay. We want to have a fun, fun episode. Fun episode, right? This is supposed to be a fun episode. Um, 
All right. Well, you know what? Uh, this is one of my favorites, be- mm-hmm. partly because it's the first episode I ever saw. I've mentioned it before, but I finally get to like do it as a recommendation because this episode is definitely fun. Um, it's called A Piece of the Action. And A Piece of the Action is uh, – let's put it this way. What if Star Trek decided to visit – Chicago in the 1930s. Okay. And let's just leave it at that and see what happens. And it's fun and there's some great guest stars in it. Um, you know, guest stars that have played gangsters in the past. Ooh. I think you'll just have a ball watching those two. All so those right. are my recommendations for, uh, for those of you that really enjoyed Trouble with Tribbles and you want to see the lighter side of track. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Would you like to rate the Trouble with Tribbles? You know, I've been trying because we've been kind of cool about our ratings, and I'm going to have to go with the obvious. This gets five out of five tribbles. We're going with the tribbles. Yeah. Going with the... I was like, I'm going to be cute and pick something obscure, but no, it's got to be tribbles. Uh, You know what? Sometimes the most obvious... Occam's Razor, the most obvious answer is the right one. And maybe, I don't know if people are going to the site as much as just listening with their podcasts, but I might throw a little thing in here because I do the graphics for the site and I might just have a gif where it turns it, it turns from five tribbles into like a bunch of tribbles. That could be fun. Oh, you're going to have some fun. <laughs> little things. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Go to our site. It's www.beginningthetrek.com. Yep. And we might as well plug our others, Facebook at Beginning the Trek and Twitter at Begin the Trek since we do it every... And what's the next one? Yeah, so um, let's see. We've we've met the Klingons, who are one of the big, you know, recurring recurring uh, aliens that we're going to see a lot. But there's tons and tons of aliens out there, and I think you need to meet a lot of them. Okay. So we're going to watch an episode called Journey to Babel. Journey to Babel. All right. Journey to Babel. Some people pronounce it Journey to Babel. It's B-A-B-E-L. Okay. But I learned Journey to Babel because Captain Kirk says Babel. All right. In the episode. So it's got to be – if he says it, yes, sir. All right. <laughs> we, we will follow his lead then since it's <laughs> yes, the title yes. of the show that he is on. Exactly. So this was a se- this was a season two episode, uh, and this was the tenth episode in that season. Uh, originally aired November seventeenth, nineteen sixty seven. So wow, that is wow. we are almost okay. dead bang on fifty years for this one. We're within a month of of fifty years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so do you want do you want to predict what Journey to Babel might be about? Sure. I'm going to go with Babel as in I learned it, Babel, because it's the Bible story that, now that's a lot of B words. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I learned it from the Bible. So I think, and with what you said, that we're going to be meeting a lot of aliens, I think that it's going to be a roundup and there's going to be communication problems. So they have to find a way to either translate or hear each other and hijinks ensue because the aliens can't communicate properly. That's what I think it's going to be about. Yeah, I gave you a little bit of a spoiler by saying that there's a lot of aliens in this one, didn't I? I gave well, you, I a little gave, bit. I but, gave you something. But I know the story about Babel, Babel. So we'll go from now on out. We'll go Babel. Uh, that's that's what Captain Kirk says. So uh, okay, so I'm going to be watching this October 22nd, 6 p.m. Mountain Time U.S. 
Uh, I'll be tweeting. So if you follow at Begin the Trek, you can see and respond my first introduction to what sounds like a whole lot of aliens. It's fun. Awesome. Hashtag BTT, hashtag Begin the Trek, hashtag Journey to Babel, Journey to Babel hashtag Go Get Him Jessica. I, guess, <laughs> I don't know. I'll, I'll do my best to keep it short enough to fit all of those hashtags in there. <laughs> October 22nd. Enjoy, enjoy Journey to Babel. Yeah. We're done. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, I'm willing to go this far. Swaggering, yes. Overbearing, occasionally. I'm even willing to say delusions of godhood, but he is not tin-plated. <laughs> so the Klingons were wrong. This And the line that I'm hearing in my head is, who's scruffy looking? <laughs> who's tin-plated? <laughs> there you go. <laughs>